The reading this evening is from John chapter 13, verses 34 to 38. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Michael, for praying for me. I'd like to pray for all of us as we head into this. Lord, we thank you so much for your word to us in the Bible. And we pray, come, Holy Spirit, and breathe fresh words, fresh life into your word. And I pray that you speak to each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So this evening, I'm going to be speaking about love. And we use the word love a lot in our culture. I can say I love chocolate, and I really, (laughs) really like chocolate. I love it, actually. Um, And someone can say to you, well, I love what you're wearing. Where did you get that shirt from? Or I I love a song. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Simon, where did you get that one from? All right, okay, okay, okay. Or I can say, yeah, I love a cafe, I love a song. We use the word a lot, love a lot. But we most especially use it in the context of relationships. I'm married and I love my husband. I have two daughters, I love my daughters. But each of us is in a web of relationships with our family, with our friends. And we all know that those relationships are a lot more demanding than loving chocolate. Chocolate's very straightforward in comparison. So we're in a sermon series at the moment looking at what it means to be church and we're focusing in on how we are to treat one another and so tonight we've got to love. And Jesus says this to his disciples in John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus tells us to love one another. Jesus has a plan. He has a vision for his disciples. And if we look at the Gospels, we see Jesus asking the disciples one by one to come and follow him. He calls them into a relationship of love, a personal relationship. And he does that with each one of us. He calls us one by one to come into relationship with him, to get to know him, to get to know his love for us. But his vision is for so much more than that. Jesus' vision is for us to become a community centered on him and characterized by 
genuine, authentic, loving relationships. And more than that, even better than that, is Jesus' plan is that for people who don't yet know him to look at us, to look at our community and to be absolutely amazed. Now we long for people, the people that we know, to come to know Jesus. We long for them to come to know Jesus. And Jesus says the key to this is loving each other. When people see that we have a real love for each other, then they see God. It's amazing. The place that I've seen this in operation time and time again is on Alpha courses. When I've led Alpha courses or while I've been on the team for Alpha courses, there is always the most amazing relationship amongst the, the members of the team, whether it's people giving talks or cooking the food or welcoming, whatever it is. It's so friendly, so loving, so good. And so often, people who've come on the course have told me that a significant factor in them coming to faith is seeing the relationships on the team. So wouldn't it be wonderful if our whole church had a reputation locally for being a loving and friendly community. So how do we do it? How do we love one another? Well, Jesus sets the bar really high, really high. He calls us to love one another as he loved us. Now, I'd like you to do something for me now. I want you to look at the person sitting next to you and then maybe sit on the other side. Look at the person on the other side. Then when you've done that, look a few rows away. Look at somebody a few, a few, some of the people a few rows away. Have a good look. That's, uh, that's enough looking. That's enough looking. Now, to be honest, we're a pretty motley crew, aren't we? You know, some of us are easier to love than others. So this evening, we're going to look at how are we going to do it. And we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at what does love, what loving one another look like? What's it actually look like to love one another? We're going to look at counting the cost of love. And we're going to look at how do we grow in loving one another as Jesus loved us. So what does it look like to love one another? In John 13, 34, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. So how does Jesus love us? Jesus loves us because he chooses to. He loves us not because we deserve it or because of our wonderful characters. Jesus loves you just as you are, with all our imperfections, all our faults. He loves us just as we are. And Jesus calls us to make that same choice to love each other with all our weaknesses, all our habits, all our stuff. He calls us to love each other, to accept each other just as we are. And the love Jesus calls us to is really practical. He says it's about the words we speak 
And it's about the things we do to bless one another, the actions we take. So we're called to love one another with our words. We saw last week how when the bishop, Bishop David, was talking about how Jesus calls us to love one another by building one another up and encouraging one another. We're not to judge each other and bring each other down. We're not to launch into criticisms of one another. We're to be like Jesus, accepting each other just as we are and treating each other with honor. And words like this bring life. Proverbs says in 1821, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, some people seem to be naturally encouragers. They see the best in people. I've worked with people like that, and they are great to work with. When I was leading a church plant in Coventry, one of our deputy church wardens was called Malcolm, and he was always so encouraging and friendly, and he always spoke words of life and faith and hope. And we went through some really difficult times, but he was always to be counted on, week in, week out, to speak words of life. And Jesus is calling us to be people who speak words of life to one another. And love is also about the things we do. Simon looked a few weeks ago at how we're to bear with one another and forgive one another. Each one of us is made in the image of God, and we are incredibly precious to God. Yet we've all got weaknesses, all of us, and they can be really irritating. Often we can be pretty good at spotting other people's weaknesses, and we're not so good at spotting our own. I know I'm not. But we're called to forgive people who hurt us. Jesus also calls us to take on the role of a servant. Just before our reading, we see Jesus kneeling down and washing the feet of his disciples. When I first became a Christian, I was at a church in West London, and, the, and I really wanted to get involved in serving in my church. And um, so I asked the friend that I became a Christian do, through what I could do, and she suggested going on the coffee rotor. And I thought, well, I can, I can manage that. I can do that. And the, the, the idea, the vision behind serving coffee in that church was that you, you served the coffee, but you also chatted to people in a friendly, welcoming way. Well, on my, my first Sunday and subsequent Sundays, um, it was very difficult to do that in the rush, the mad rush to get the caffeine. And um, there was one particular man who um, always insisted on having his mug filled up right to the brim. And then he'd pick it up and then he'd pour half of it out on the, on, the, on the table. And he did that week in, week out. And I hadn't yet reached that level of Christian love and maturity where I could patiently bear with my brother in Christ. What I hadn't been told as well was there was no known way off that coffee rotor. I don't know how, I'm not on it now, so somehow I managed to get off it. Now I'm sure, I'm sure it isn't like that at Christchurch. 
But ever since then, I have had such gratitude and thanks and, and, and respect for anybody who serves coffee. But Jesus calls us all to serve one another, to love one another in practical ways and not just on a Sunday. And the, the question for me is, do I want to be the servant loving one another that Jesus is calling me to be? And do you? The love Jesus calls us to is not led by our emotions. Our emotions have been given to us by God. They are a wonderful gift to us from God. But the truth is, we're often not going to feel like doing things to bless other people. We're often not going to feel like saying words that are going to be build people up. We need to make a choice that whatever we're feeling, we're going to do those things, we're going to say those things that are going to be an encouragement and a blessing. Someone once described our emotions as being a bit like puppies. They can run around all over the place. But if you set a lead, in the end, they'll follow you. And it's the same with our emotions. A few years after I became a Christian, I went to work with um, somebody who was also a Christian. And... Um, he was, I found him really difficult to work with. He was somebody who became angry, and he became angry often. And at that time, I had a, I had a wonderful Christian mentor, and um, I can remember going to see her and pouring out my heart to her. And she was wonderful. She whisked me off to a wonderful restaurant. We had a lovely lunch. And then over lunch, she gently challenged me to forgive um, this person. And really, she taught me how to forgive. But more than that, she suggested that I pray blessing on this man. And that not only blessing, but that God would bless him in every way that God wanted to. And um, when I became Christian, God gave me huge amounts of faith that when I prayed, he would answer my prayers. So I jolly well <laughs> didn't want to pray that prayer, but I chose to pray that prayer. And I, pr I forgave um, this um, my colleague, and um, I prayed that God would bless him in every way that God wanted to. And God did. God answered that prayer. But more than that, he changed my heart. And he, he gave me an understanding of what had happened in this man's life, particularly what had happened in his childhood. And he gave me a real compassion and also a real respect for him. So as we make the choice to love, God will be powerfully at work in our hearts, changing us and changing the situation. So we looked at what's it look like to love one another. We're going to look at counting the cost of love. Loving one another is not always easy. It can be difficult and there is a cost. Jesus speaks of how he's shown his love for us in John 15, 12 to 13. Jesus says this, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus died on the cross for us because he loved us so much. Jesus chose to set his love on us and open up the way for us to become precious sons and precious daughters of the living God. And there was so much more to Jesus' death than physical suffering. On the cross, Jesus, the, the perfect son of God, he was completely holy, took all the sin of the whole world on him so we could be reconciled to God. That's what Jesus' love for us looks like. The cost to Jesus was his life. And Jesus calls us to bear a cost in loving one another. I was thinking of using some amazing example of, of someone who'd done something incredible for God that was very costly. But the problem with those sorts of examples is we can think, well, that's great for them, but, but actually that's so far from my experience. In our culture, one of the most costly things to give is our time and making commitments. Most of us like to be flexible. We like to keep our options open. All of us need to ask the question, how good am I at committing? How much time do I invest in loving people in practical ways, the ways that Jesus is talking about? This sort of love isn't very glamorous, we, but we all want to receive love like that. We all want people to commit to us. We all want people to spend time with us. So the question I have to ask myself is, how good am I at giving that sort of love? So we've looked at what's it look like to love one another, counting the cost of love, how do we grow in loving one another? For all of us, this is a growth area. None of us are there, there yet. We're not there completely walking in perfect love. I'm certainly not. How do we grow? If you're here this evening and you're a disciple of Jesus, the good news is that the Holy Spirit is already at work in you, creating a desire to love others. For some of you, as I've been speaking this evening, the Holy Spirit will have been dropping into your, your mind, into your heart, somebody, something you can do for somebody, some person that God wants you to speak a word of encouragement to, somebody he's calling you to forgive. But just as the Holy Spirit stirs up the desire in us to do these things, then so often that desire comes into conflict with our selfishness, where we want to look out for our own interests and we want to look out for our own needs and be the center of our own little world. 
And we've all got the pressures, haven't we? We've got the pressures of family, of work, our studies, all sorts of things crowd in. And Paul often describes this battle, this conflict in his letters. So in Galatians 15, 5, verses, so hasn't got 15 chapters. Um, Galatians 5, verses 17 to 18, Paul writes this, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another, so that you not, do not do what you're, whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So each of us has a choice. We have a choice to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and actively love one another with our words and our actions. Or we can carry on looking out for our own self-centered interests. And we make that choice every day and we make it lots of times during the day. And the wonderful thing is that as we make the choice to love, the Holy Spirit comes in and strengthens us and gives us power to do the things that Jesus is calling us to do. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's not going to be costly. But we'll be walking with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And more than that, as we do that walking with Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to be at work in us, transforming our characters, transforming the situation. Sometimes we'll see the fruit immediately. Sometimes we won't, but the Holy Spirit is at work. And sometimes, probably often, we're going to get it wrong. And that's what I like about Peter in our Bible reading. Just after Jesus had said, love one another as I've loved you, Peter gets in there and he says, I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus. But that's when Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And we know the story, don't we? When, when Jesus was arrested and taken to the high priest's house, Peter followed him to the courtyard. And when he was asked if he knew Jesus, almost immediately he said he denied even knowing Jesus. But at the end of John's gospel, John tells us how at that lakeside, when Jesus met with the disciples, Jesus took Peter to one side and he gave him a second chance. He forgave him. He, he loved him. He continued to love and forgive him through all his failures. He had a plan for Peter. And Jesus continues to love us through all our failures. Jesus' plan and vision for us as a church is to be a community where we love one another. And it's a vision for a community of people of different ages, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, all sorts of people coming together and genuinely loving one another. It's quite easy to be polite and kind if we just see each other on Sundays. But Jesus has a vision for a community with really deep and intimate relationships that last during the week, 
And the extraordinary thing is that Jesus says, if we love one another like that, even with our failures, then there's something about the quality of our relationships that's going to attract people to Jesus. And that's the desire of Jesus' heart, for people to come to know him as their Lord and Savior because of our love for one another. So I'd like to pray that for us. So would you like to, would you like to stand? So I'd invite you to open your hearts to the Holy Spirit. If you, if you find it helpful, just put your hands out. It's, there's nothing magic about putting your hands out. It's just showing God that you, you want him to touch you. Dear Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you that Jesus loves us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've shown your love for us. And we pray, come Holy Spirit and reassure each one of us of your love for us.